Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'll be joined by my brother and best friend, Corey Ballmeister. Oh. How's it going? Bro. Well, way, way better now that you said best friend as well. You know, I, th- I thought all I had was brother on my resume, but you know, now I'm just, I'm feeling so great. First, I was full of anxiety, stress, <laughs> you know, fear. I, I, and it was all because I didn't know for sure that we were best buds. That was the only reason. So, yeah, yeah. I, I had another <laughs> best friend uh, in the past, but recently they beat me in a Magic Pro League match that, uh, ah. Yeah, that disqualified him. That is tearing us apart. Um, It it might even have effects to this podcast itself. Um, Well, let me know if you have another best friend at some point that like takes my spot and I will help them test for a match against you so I can get you back. If if that works. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I will do. Okay, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, the, the truth is we've got more magic pro league uh, and rivals action coming up this weekend yes and uh and so you know are you um, nervous are you ready are you excited uh i i am excited i've got my deck ready and and that is that is the main um topic you know for today we're going to be talking about the standard metagame developments everyone has submitted their deck so any knowledge i drop uh this week is not really going to affect the deck selection and i've learned a lot about standard in the last couple weeks okay um there's another also tournament series coming up this weekend, which is the SCG Tour Online yes. returns for season three Finally. on MTG Melee. Yeah, it's it's great. It's also a cool system. It's Friday, Saturday, and Sundays. They're all isolated weekends with mm-hmm. a lot of flights to qualify. Check it out. There's a link in the description. Uh, take a look at that. And yeah, different and structure that- as well. You know, they they mixed up the structure as well. So really, a lot of different stuff with the online tour this time around. Yeah, it's 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 going to be exciting mm-hmm. to to watch and play in. Um, but that brings us to our special guest, and you know, with the SCG tour returning, we wanted to bring in someone who actually got fired from SCG mm. and will never return. Oh, who's that? Yeah. Is it's it you, Brad? Brian Brown doing <laughs> my now best friend. How's it going, Brian Brown doing? <laughs> it is going great. And you know, I thought I was your worst friend uh, mm. there for a second, having savagely destroyed you on camera at the last MPL rival split, a match that can be watched by anyone. If you wish to go back and see the brutality of it all, but I'm really happy that I am your best friend again. Thank you so much. Well, that's, you actually got that wrong though, because I actually, um, I scrubbed the internet. You scrubbed it just, just for that match. Yes, yes. Wow. That, that match is no longer anywhere on the internet. You cannot find it. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I might have to research that, Bradley, because I don't believe you. No, don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> just just no one even go look for it. It's not out there. It's not possible to find. Wait, did you mean you just rushed down to BBD's room again like last time and then erased his history, which therefore deleted his access to the results? Well, no, but that, but I will do that if he ever just all of a sudden dies, right? That's 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 the friend code. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> d- d- delete, delete their browser history. Just just right away. Dude. You just you just find out your best buddy passed away. You're like, I need to get to his computer before they do. <laughs> I mean, in this day and age, that is the best friend code, right? Yeah, it's be like you don't know who is gonna take BBD's WoW currency right now. It could be anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna 
I'm going to be honest with you, Brad. I have no intention of dying unless it's a week before I win a an important election. So, oh, oh, <laughs> come on. And, and, and what he's bringing up is the amazing North Dakota did, yeah. did two things that make you shake your heads. Well, one was obvious. They uh they 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 voted for Trump. Yeah. But the other is they also voted for a dead guy. That's right. Yeah. A guy died to in COVID October. In October. In October and yeah. was elected in November. So well, well done. Have, it, yeah. It, you know what really swung what I heard is what, what swung it is all the tweets that they were making after they deceased. Oh, they it's really are you saying they said a lot of time sweet or uh, time tweets? You know, I, I know people that set out time tweets. Did they just think he's still in the election because he set so many of them before uh, before it happened? Or I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Corey is not uh, up to date with uh, the political. Yeah, he's making a joke about Herman Cain. <laughs> oh, OK. He died yeah. of COVID and then his account just kept tweeting afterwards. Oh, like, OK. No, I, I've never heard that. But uh, speaking okay. of scheduled tweets, I make scheduled tweets. I don't know if you knew that, Corey. Do you? I actually do. Really? Like what? Uh, every week I create a scheduled tweet of my <laughs> my uh, selections against the spread for the week's NFL games. Oh, really? I actually do. Okay, yes. I was going to say, because the only tweets I really see you make are like about specific sporting events that are happening or about different football games that are happening as we you know, as the game is going on. So I'm like, wow, yeah. that is impressive that you guess that well in advance about those tweets. Yeah, I do just have a scheduled <laughs> tweets about the Vikings where it's like, God, their <laughs> offense is terrible again. Well, like, that's an evergreen yeah, tweet. That's evergreen. It is, it is yeah. <laughs> that, that's actually a really uh, interesting idea. Um, speaking of that, I, not scheduling, but I almost feel like a missed opportunity from last MPL. Like we know all 12 feature matches, matchups and deck lists by Friday. Yeah. I kind of just want to tweet out all my predictions of the winners. And then just so it, it gets sent on the weekend. No, no, I'll, I'll, I won't, I won't time them, but just my predictions of the winners, like that part of Brian's story. Oh, okay. Okay. God, I really hope I'm not a feature match this time around. <laughs> it's it's already like public information at this point. I don't I don't Is remember it? where. Yeah, I don't. They released them already. Yeah, I won't be uh, I won't be commentating your guys' matches this time. Why not? I don't know. I I think they're mixing up. I haven't seen who the the crew is this time, but I think they're kind of rotating them as far as I was uh, assuming. But okay, yeah. So uh, looking, yeah. At, look, it, it's, looking it's, at the commentator list, it is. Everyone that commentated last time. <laughs> and then just an empty and, spot that yeah. has where my picture would be. But <laughs> and then just Corey Bombers are just scribbled out below, like not even deleted. I was gonna make that same joke. <laughs> but yeah, beat me to it. Yes. Whenever I'm beating BBD to horrifically bad jokes, I know it's gonna be a good podcast. No, you are you are not a feature match this time around. Ah, mm. oh, yes. <laughs> I don't have to I, embarrass I play, myself on camera. Beautiful. I play our boy Seth Manfield on camera. Ooh. Ooh nice. That'll be a I good match. The, I played Seth the last time not on camera, and he defeated me. Mm. Seth defeats as, me basically every time I play, so I believe that. As did eight other players, but... Who is counting besides me? <laughs> uh, a lot of people, BBD, a lot of people. There are people that, you know, keep track of stats. 
Um, yeah. You know, the actual MPL Rivals League, they are for sure counting. You know, we count because it was such a low number. We didn't have to count very high. That's um, right. <laughs> the Electoral College is actually counting up your results as well. Actually, I won uh, the MPL according to the Electoral College. <laughs> I'm currently in the lead. You probably did win the popular vote, so you're right. <laughs> I, I won. I won three matches in uh, in swing swing states. So I'm actually. Yeah. I may oh, have won eight games. less. In I, swing yeah, games. Swing games. I may have won eight less matches than Ray Sato, but thanks to the Electoral College, I'm in first place in the MPL. So, oh, so you're talking about the global. Electoral College of just America is weighted favorably. <laughs> and speaking of weighted favorably, all the action happens at 8 a.m. Pacific times. <laughs> I don't look right at like, you know, starting at 11 p.m. or whatever. Yeah, God, that is crazy. That is crazy that they don't mix up the times at all, you know, to make it fair. It's wild. It's 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 bad. But yeah, uh, yeah. And that, yeah, that's our only, topic, right? <laughs> yeah. Can, <laughs> I think that's um, for coverage's sake, too, though. But. Oh, of course. Of course it is. Of, uh, of course it is. I still feel like... The, well, I mean, Riley's up pretty late, though. You know, Riley, Riley's always going to bed at, like, 2 a.m. or so. matches could be pre-recorded. Matches could but be. But, the stream, but then the stream thing is impossible. And the stream yeah. thing was actually pretty cool. Yeah, because yeah, if matches are pre-recorded, then yeah. it... It falls into the thing of last year where everyone complained that matches were pre-recorded. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, the, the, the live stream thing was really cool. Let's get off this topic, though, because, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry for bringing us on it. Um, one last upcoming tournament that I want to talk about before we get to our main topic uh, is the Bash Bros Battles is not this Sunday, but next Sunday. And oh, yeah. uh, for anyone that doesn't know what this is, uh, Corey and I... Uh, host and play in a monthly tournament uh, that's sponsored by BCW Supplies, where they put up $1,000 in store credit uh, for prizes. And we break that down into the top eight. Now, the first two we did were standard plus Swiss plus top eight. Uh, we're going to be running that back, even though Kaladash is coming out. I still think standard's in a really interesting spot. Mm -hmm. um, but Kaladash Remastered is coming out for historic. So it was a toss up. Uh, we did a poll. And and standard one out, but there is one other awesome thing to bring up about this well, tournament. One quick this one, is... one quick thing: if you want to get some hot Kaladesh remastered content, <laughs> me and Ross Merriam are doing it on Versus Live tomorrow. We're playing historic with that. It's gonna be sweet. That is really cool. Um, it, yeah, that is actually really cool tabletop, even though it's arena. Yeah, it, it, like it's gonna be fun. And it was just it was really cool to like look at really dominant decks like teamer energy or like Rakdos midrange and like revamp them and uh, you know update them with some of the double face cards and stuff like that i mean our decks might be bad but they, did you, they did, look did, pretty did powerful did anyone do paradoxical outcome no that was the last deck i was looking at but there you should have you should have messaged me once it comes out i'm going to be jamming that but there's on no stream forever there's no inspired whatever card the artifact they didn't put that in they didn't put that in that the, otherwise i did look at it but I looked at like the mono blue list that Paulo played at, I believe it. You you were thinking about playing it, whatever the team pro tour that you guys played together. There was that mono blue deck then, uh, the mono blue Karn or whatever. So I was like basing it off that list. 
and that card wasn't in there. So yeah, the artifact. I can't believe they didn't put that in in the Kaladesh Remastered. That that came from there, right? I think it came from the next set, but they had yes. other stuff from that set. You know? Oh no, yeah, it came from that block. They just didn't include. That's like one of the coolest cards. I know. From that set. Other, uh, Brad, we were on the same wavelength, though. I was I was going to uh, play that, but I I checked and it wasn't there. Did Corey? Are you? Did you uh, build Kathis combo with no new cards? I did not. I did uh, not. No. But I did play Red Black Midrange, the deck from Protura Dominaria, getting all revamped with Croxa and Thought Seizes and stuff. That one's going to be fun. And of course, Teamer Energy. Is, is all the energy there? Most of the. Yeah, I think actually all of the energy. Um, the only cards that aren't in there is Smuggler's Copter, Felidar Guardian, yeah. and Walking Ballista. <laughs> so the banned cards. Not all. I mean, there's a tune in Rogue Refiner. Yeah, that's that's sweet. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry to yeah, interrupt you good. there, but pretty cool stuff. Yeah, but uh, we do have to say though, there is an additional prize this time around. Heptagon, a supporter of ours and a frequenter of your stream. Oh yeah, Heptagon's awesome. Five hundred dollars in cold hard cash to first place as well. So that is a awesome community um, prize to begin yeah. with. Now Heptagon has already said they're going to win the tournament and take it back, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we bring on the challenge. And I don't think Heptagon has specified that uh, he would create the money and make it cold. Um, so I, I think yeah. it might be room temperature cash, but we're not positive yeah. on that. We'll get back to that. <laughs> Keep stealing my jokes. <laughs> I need to be more aggressive. You gotta, you gotta. But yeah, yeah. that's November 15th. If you didn't say that, Brad, it's going to be a sweet one. And yep, November 15th. Yeah, Brian, you got to get uh, you got to get better. I mean, with with Among Us lately, you got to learn how to take over control of the meetings. Mm. Yeah, I just don't want to like butt in and interrupt you guys. But if you're going to steal all my jokes, I'm just going to have to start doing it. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, though, rude. it's just rude. I had room temperature queued up for minutes, Corey. <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I don't know, Brad. Bald is pretty sus right now. Bald is sus. Well, <laughs> goodness, you guys, is I grew my hair out into a skullet. So you can both. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Do that doesn't sound sus at all. <laughs> I still want you to do that. I mean, that's mostly for like you, right? Like, like it's not going to hurt me at all. And I want to see it. But but if you actually grow to skull it, it's like it's one of those things you just you can't unsee. Right. Even if you shave it off. Is a skull it just like where the top of your skull doesn't have hair, but just everything around it does. Have, have you ever seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah. Like Donnie DeVito's haircut. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny DeVito's haircut. Okay, okay. Yeah, that would look great, especially if you could get it like long and and straggly. Maybe get a man bun like Brad as well. So if you can grow yeah, it out you real gotta, long. You're you're shaved on the top, but the full the back is there in entirety. Generally, wow. even long, like kind of flowing off the back. Oh, Brad. look, I, I, I thought I was going to look really bad with a man bun, but I don't think I do. No, you look great with a man bun, I must say. I, I think it actually <laughs> looks awesome. You should have been, you missed, your costume for Halloween was awesome, but you had a missed opportunity to be like Samurai Jack or something, you know, like. Well, we went with, like, so we went as, it's always sunny characters. No, I know, that's what I said. I, I said it was awesome, but you, you had a, a nice like samurai or ninja look with the man bun. That you could have made work as well if you didn't do that as a costume. Fat obese American ninja warrior. <laughs> yeah, just ninja warrior, and you just run around your your house and don't tell Amber this, and just try to like jump on the couch and like jump to the table and shit. 
Well, but I've already done things like that, and that's why we have to replace our couch. I was just about to say, yeah, that's a bad idea. That, that's, that'll lead to a broken couch real fast. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, we just bought a new couch now, and then our dryer took a shit, and we just bought a new dryer, and we're waiting for both to get delivered. Wow. I didn't know. The dryer took an actual shit. <laughs> I can't even get it out, man. I just... Neither yeah. could the dryer. Because of all that cheese from last night. That you can't get the shit out? Yes. Yes, it is. An entire block of Swiss cheese. Bow before me, mortals. <laughs> Y'all know how something gets normalized over the years. The first time I ever saw Brian just eat a block of cheese, I was like, this man is insane. Well, Brad, we now, used to do oh, that. We used to do that with Dad. We used to eat Kobe Jack cheese. Don't you remember? Holy shit, we did. We totally did. <laughs> well, like, I never ate an entire block, like a full pound of that shit. I'm not eating a full I pound break. of cheese. All right, as a family, we ate a full pound of cheese in a sitting, but our dad really liked cheese, so. Well, yeah, he was, like, super high on the Atkins diet back then. Really? Because we ate a lot of McDonald's and... Well, that was what he was off, really off the Atkins diet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was a quick transition. <laughs> Oh, uh, I just you know had to weird. You know, it's weird. It was one of the most ridiculous days, but I still remember it. And that's what mm -hmm. you know, how memories work. Yeah. But but I just remember a time when we were both really young and dad was going to get McDonald's and I didn't want McDonald's or you wanted something. So he yeah. was like, you know, he was just like, fuck it. And we just went to three different fast food places. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I sent you a picture recently where me and Ross couldn't make up our mind. Like we wanted a smoothie from a place. So we ended up getting, you know, I got a Starbucks. We got a smoothie from Tropical Smoothie Cafe. And then we got like a burrito on our way to Versus and just had three things. So that happened to us recently as well. Uh, I want a I burrito for lunch today. Speaking of fairly recent, there's a new TV show called The Queen's Gambit, which reminded oh. me of, the, I don't know if you if you recall The Queen's Gambit, Brad, which was the... Uh, classic move prior to may it rest in peace the arby's closing down where you went to the arby's to get your meal and then you went next door to the dairy queen to get the blizzard and uh i refer to that move as the queen's gambit because it was a little risky it didn't always pay off uh, but i never actually did that but i was never into you know the uh... i thought you did you definitely you definitely were there for one of those I might have been. I think yeah. that's a great combo, actually. I mean, Arby's is not great, but I mean, getting a blizzard with any other place is just smart. Oh, it, it's it's excellent. And yeah. the Arby's was right next door to the Dairy Queen. Okay. And any place has better food than Dairy Queen, pretty oh, much. Oh, yeah. So. That's Dairy true. Queen food is already bad, but then if you order it, they always forget something. That's what I remember about Dairy Queen because I don't still buy Dairy Queen. Literally the last time I went to literally the last time I went to Dairy Queen was two weeks ago. This Dairy Queen is now closed and there's an Arby's across the street. Are you talking about in, in Roanoke, BBD? No, this is yeah. this was here in Renton. Oh, okay. Well, Brad, right. you were yeah. with us numerous oh, yeah, yeah, times yeah. for this. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have done this a few times. This now I remember. Interesting, because yeah. there's the same layout here. They must have a, a contract or something. But I went to this Dairy Queen, ordered a Blizzard, and I ordered just like a medium or a large, and they hand me a small, and I was like, oh, you know, I I just ordered a I ordered a medium, and she's just like, oh, and just kind of looked at me and like kind of you know tilted her head like you good with this though and i'm like but this will be fine until i said that and just took it so they were just like they were not going to remake it or anything i'm just like 
Alrighty then, I will see you later. <laughs> uh, and it, it makes sense why they always forget your food at Dairy Queen. They're just so not used to having to make it. Yeah, it just throws them off. They're like, wait, where's the kitchen again? Yeah, you, wait, you want our food? Ooh, God, okay. I mean, I mean, come on, their chicken strips, fries, and gravies were pretty good. Well, yeah, but like, the, you're talking about like, like high floor food. Oh, yeah. Just out of boxed, deep fried, you know, garbage is never going to be like the worst ever. But if you eat a burger there, you're like, I, I don't even it was I don't even know if that was meat. Like, I hope, you know, like, Bradley, I was 16 years old learning how to make Dairy Queen food because that was my first job at Raging I Rivers. I do remember yeah, you worked <laughs> at Dairy Queen. I do remember that. Yep. Yep. So I was so making that expert food at some time. So you hold your tongue, mister. I gotta say the the best part about that is that Rakdos mid range is the best anti rogue stack, but it's weak to gruel. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You. Brian, you're jumping the gun here. Way to spoil uh, our big finish. Yeah. <laughs> right, fine, that, th- this is this is a great time to actually like kick off the actual episode. Let's fine. do it, you, Brian. You Sorry to get us on track. I know usually it's the opposite, but. The Bash Bros Podcast is proudly sponsored by BCW Supplies. BCW offers great products at an even better price. From their Elite 2 sleeves to the deck bot line, you're sure to get an amazing product. I've been using their sleeves and deck boxes for the last year, and let me tell you, bro, their durability is unparalleled. Well, if you're interested in trying them out yourselves, you can go to bcwsupplies.com and order today. BCW Supplies. Protect. Store. Display. Slogans. Marketing. Magic. Wow. All right. So so I, I know that you've been dabbling a little bit, Brian, in Standard, but I have been playing a ton. I've been testing with the Checkhouse. Um, and What's your full testing ben, team? Just just those four or three? I don't even know this, how many lives the, there. Now, the four, four for this time around. So um, to not bore you with too many details, Seth was also with us, but then Seth plays against all of us this time. So he went and tested with Javier. Ah. Um, because like, you know, it's. Yeah, that's it's just kind of awkward. Yeah. It's difficult to test against, you know, 25% of your meta. Also, I have Seth, like, traumatized. He just doesn't... I don't think he thinks it's capable for him to win a mirror against me anymore. Like, I just have him traumatized. He seriously is. Honestly, I remember testing back in the day, and just every time... I I think you were the one player he was afraid of to play. Like, in, yeah, in, in Constructed, you know? And, I mean, it's the same for me and you. I never beat you ever, so I, I feel that. But uh, not the same for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's really cool is actually, like, I think Brian and I have exchanged a lot of blows. Like, if I had to consider a heavy hitter opponent, yeah. I would consider Brian because we have just, like, we have, like, hit each other a lot in a lot of big situations in magic tournaments and then yeah. you guys have played a lot in tournaments as well <laughs> yeah we yeah we have <laughs> and honestly i've gotten with a couple low blows too i'm not proud of it but sometimes you got to take what you can get so just a kick under the table yeah oh sense. not a kick not a straight punch oh, oh. Yeah, always you always got a punch <laughs> but yeah so so i i definitely like the, the main topic for today we're going to talk about the standard metagame and how it's developing and i've kind of broken it down in a unique way so we're going to go through it uh the way that i've like listed off on on this uh 
I've, I've got this document for all of us to look at. Yep. Um, it's not sophisticated, but it does break down things the way that I see it. And we're going to kick off with what I consider the only two tier one decks, which is, uh, and I'll preface all of this with, this metagame is very open and someone could roll up with a new deck to shake everything up. And honestly, we're at the stage of standard, which we haven't been in so long, where every week a metagame shifts kind of so so quickly. Like there still might be the best decks, but things do change a lot from week to week. So this may be true this week, might not be true next week. Yeah, for example, Rakdos Midrange was like non-existent two weeks ago, and now it's the third most played deck. Exactly. Like Azorius Yorian, the last league play was just unbeatable, and now, you know, look at it. So. And like Rakdos, <laughs> Rakdos Midrange before, like it didn't see that much play, and now it's the best anti-rogue stack, but it's weak to gruel. Dog, so. I am going to come downstairs. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so Brad has written some great bulletin point or bullet points just for us to remember, and BBD just keeps sprinkling them into these conversations. Yeah, yeah for those who are unaware of what's going on, we have a pre-show that we do that's for uh, members of our Patreon at certain at a certain tier, and that's where we plan out our episodes and make mm-hmm. stupid jokes and stuff. And yeah. as Brad was planning out this episode. Uh, I was trolling him repeatedly by saying his words back to him. So that's <laughs> what I've continued to do also in the episode itself. So Brad he, really know, loves... It's amazing. It's, 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 it's really that, you know, like that... Uh... <laughs> Arowski! <laughs> Brad, Thank you. Brad really loves the pre-show with uh, Corey oh, and BBD. Oh, it's his oh, favorite. Speaking of that, sorry to derail this again, but it was great. So Paul... I was actually watching this past weekend. I was doing commentary of the Angela Chandler Memorial Tournament, which was awesome. We had a lot of fun. We raised a lot of money. It looked cool. But yeah. uh, we had we had a giveaway, and Paul won it. But the, the my co commentator just said Paul because they weren't going to attempt to say the last name. No, nice. <laughs> you know, and and so you know, Paul in chat was like, "Is that me?" And mm-hmm. I was like, "I'm just going to give you one hint." The moment I saw the name, I started looking for a full can of soda on my desk. <laughs> yeah, just whoever you're co-commentating with, be like, I can help you out with that last name. Just give me a moment. And you come yeah. back and open a Coke Zero. They're like, what the hell? Real commentary to run down and get a soda. I thought about it, though. Yeah. 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 Wow, I that's mean, you awesome. Gotta, you got to at least give it its due diligence as a, as a consideration. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, congrats oh. to Paul. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so so uh, getting back on on track, uh, two two tier one decks, mm-hmm. Gruel and Demir, uh, Demir Rogues. Now, the thing about that is it's kind of the styles of them too. Gruel has a lot of different configurations, but the Ray Sido birthed really the stock ber- stock version of this strategy. Mm-hmm. And there's a few deviations to it, but it's kind of it covers a lot of the deck's bases. So, so you kind of called uh, it last week when you liked Saito's uh, uh, list more than yours, and you you think that's still gonna stay true for this weekend? Yeah, Ray Sato's, uh build is just a, a more dominant, better version. Also, Gem Razor is not really that good if we're not fighting a ton of enchantments like Elspeth Conquers Death and Glass Caskets, um, Doom Foretold, stuff like that. Yeah, and because Demir Rogues and Gruul are the top two decks, and there's there's two real reasons why they're up there. Um, the first is that they are very efficient at what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also that it's really hard to target both of them at the same time. And when you bring up, you know, Elspeth Conquers Death, like that is a great card against Gruul and a bad card against Demir. 
And yep. even in sometimes situational against Gruel, you know, I mean, I've had ECDs in my hand and I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to wreck Gruel. All they got to do is just play Love Struck Beast into QB. I'm going to hit them with the one two punch and then they just go, you know, the brush fire elemental into brush fire elemental sack line. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm screwed. So it, it, it well, it is good. I feel like they're it's not a catch all in that matchup. Would you yeah, agree? For or, sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and 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 so we're seeing some decks be good against one and not the other, and that's 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 a testament to why these decks are both on top. Because I also think the matchups very meet or very um close based on the configurations. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, like Ray Saito's build is a very strong version of Gruel. Lura's variants of Demir have proven <laughs> to be the best, and. It really shows that people just outsmarted themselves playing the shark versions because in the end, shark's not even that good in the mirror. Okay. Did, um, what did, it, does anyone agree with that? No, I mean, I, based on the last MPL split, it certainly underperformed in the mirror. Yeah, it didn't yeah. seem insane to me. It would just, I just had confidence in it with just the players that played it. You know, like, you know, I just usually trust uh, LSV's um, deck choices. So I thought it, it seemed like it could be better but the results really weren't there i think the i think the version with ruin crab or whatever it's called mm -hmm. it is stronger because even though like cards like that are just bad cards like on their own accord uh getting out ahead of your opponent i think is just so important on, with this deck being proactive um, even with yeah. the demir deck yeah being proactive and um i mean it's just true for magic in general but being able to just get an early head start on people is just so strong in magic and that those cards like quickly fueling uh the graveyard to make, make you be able to cast into the story on turn four um or even just sometimes have games where you're beating down with with your room crabs? <laughs> well, no, but they yeah. can they can turn on the thieving guys and they can turn on uh your flyers. Soaring thought thief and stuff, yeah. Yeah, like you can get like you can start attacking for six or eight, like pretty early in the game. Yeah, that kind of you know versatility from that deck is really, really nice because I feel like D depending on what decks you play, if you're prepared for that creature plan, it, it doesn't work often, but you know, you keep some hands where you kind of get cheesed out in that sense. Um, and, you know, it, it just shows the versatility of the deck. One thing I was curious is, do you guys think the <laughs> 12 creatures or 16 creature rogue deck ended up being better now that we're getting further into the format? I think I think it's actually neither. I think it's like 15. <laughs> okay, but I like, think, what, yeah, what like, is the creature you cut? It, it's not a crab, right? It's one of the blue flyers, the merfolk... Uh, I, I I'm blanking on that card name. Yeah. I don't remember either. The mill one, right? That guy. Yeah, you cut the one one flyer for one. Yeah. I think that's the weakest creature. Um I, I'm playing rogues. I'm playing 16 creatures mostly by default. Uh, but I, I do think that, that that's by far the weakest creature. However, it can be really it's very powerful with Luris. So yes, it's 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 exceptional with Luris in the late game and I'm not, a, I'm not even, I could see cutting a few crabs. I've seen some people trim on crabs. I don't think, I think there's an argument for it. Yeah. But I do think that you want to have access to the card. And uh, 
And and just to bring up the shark thing again, just to make sure to to, to hammer this home, um, the shark vi- version was propped up by all the Yorion in the metagame, mm-hmm. but its results against both Gruul and 12 to 16 creature Lurus Rogues uh, were underperforming. And so as those two decks prop each other up and build each other, you know, they become bigger in the metagame. The shark version almost becomes unplayable since you're not preying on all this Yorion anymore. Well, if, uh, I don't know how many shark puns you meant to do in that, but that was pretty good. If, I must Did say, I have any? Yeah, I didn't mean any. You said hammerhead. You wanted to hammerhead this, so hammerhead shark and prey on. But anyways, that that was not my point, but that was just impressive. <laughs> um, but it, it makes sense to me for a couple reasons. Shark typhoon very obviously bad against gruel. I mean the the amount of time. I think the best thing you can hope for is your gruel opponent getting a little aggressive on turn three and attacking with their innkeeper and you like get to be like, oh, thank God I get to eat it, you know, which that's like a high ceiling. Good players are not going to walk into that. But even against rogues, what the one turn where you expect to get good value out of Shark Typhoon and by good value, I just mean get a two for one, right? Like eat a creature, cycle, draw a card. And that's like turn four where you would cycle it, block a Thieves Guild Enforcer, take it down. But on turn four, there's always the possibility of into the story, you know, most of the time in these rogue mirrors and you just can't risk it doing that in combat. So if that's not a good play against rogue, I, I just couldn't see how that could actually be good. So. That makes sense. I mean, they're also not going to attack into that either, you know? Like, if they... Well, they'll attack into it if they have an into the story. Well, I mean, the mirrors, the mirrors go so long that Shark is decent in the later turns, but not having the other tools, I think, is the important thing here. Like, Yeah, casting it late game is probably the best thing in those mirrors. Huh? Also, you don't, have, you don't have access to Lurus, and, and the, the value of Lurus in this deck is that Agadim's Awakening allows you to kind of have four shots <laughs> at a Lurus. Yeah. yeah. Lurus is a great... Uh, end game for the deck and just the ac- access to yeah like what brad said agadim's awakening means that you don't have to protect your Luris, and the threat of Luris is just looms over a lot of games even if Luris yeah. itself doesn't do anything your opponent always has to be careful about spending their last removal spell because then if you just play Luris and they don't have a removal spell for it it will win the game so yeah. It, it is the just the threat of Luris itself makes a lot of your other cards better, even if it never enters play. So, so. my question is between these two decks, which <laughs> which deck do you think is favorite? I know we're going to get into how decks pair up against this, but what do you guys think is favorite? Is it still Gruel by a lot? Because that that's what the data kind of pointed at before. Uh, no, I actually I I actually think that um, Gruel is a sl- ever so slight dog to Demir. Okay. And I can get into, like, how these decks have been evolving a little bit. Okay. Yeah, because there's got to be some change, because from the last MPL, that wasn't the case as far as stats, if I'm remembering correctly. So, Brad, you've been playing a lot of Standard lately. Speaking of one change, uh, how do you feel about somebody who didn't test very much, waking up at 6 a.m. before an 8 a.m. deadline, (laughs) adding two copies of completely untested Vantress Gargoyle to their sideboard of rogues. How does that strike you? Uh, That sounds adventurous. Okay. A loose move. Okay. Sounds adventurous to me. I I think the card can be fine, but it's... (laughs) 
it, I mean, it's situational and later in the game, it might not be good enough. So maybe on turn two, it could be strong, but I have no idea. I mean, as far as how the gruel decks were sideboarding against that, where they were just bringing in like big things that once they resolve, they win the great hand Vivian and then just four scorching dragon fires to hold off the rogue so they don't die quickly. I mean, in theory, that seems like a card that dodges that. Yeah, I, yeah, but it's it's also a card that um, does like it, in combination with a crab or the rogue <laughs> stuff, it's going mm -hmm. to be powerful. But if you don't have the other creatures to help fuel because it's it goes so slow that an ox is going to keep it from attacking. If you're playing that, you're you might be losing out on removal or other creatures for synergy things, and then that might allow for a great henge to come into play. Also, if a Vivian sticks for a while, you can't attack into it. Also, if you just play aggressively, like play a crab on turn one, removal spell on two, and then eventually play gargoyle, you might just have too few of cards to actually block. Probably doesn't come up that yeah. often with rogues, but you never know. Yeah, I'll, I'll explain my why I added it because I kept playing these games against Gruel where I was losing these super long, like these long games um, where I just couldn't like, basically I felt like I had to be the aggressor in the matchup at some point because I was just going to lose to their value. Yeah. I was going to lose the Vivian. I was going to lose, especially the Clothis actually um, was, was being yeah. quite annoying. Uh, but I was also winning games against those cards, and the games that I was winning were the games where I I started with like a double Thieves Guild Enforcer, and mm -hmm. they actually had to play defensively against me. And I was actually even using like uh, you know, the counter spell removal spell card. I, I cannot remember any name of a card right now <laughs> for some reason. Probably Drown in the Lock. Yeah, Drown in the Lock. I was using those to like protect my creatures, which normally I don't really spend them that way. You kind of and, felt like you turned into the tempo role, essentially? Yeah, Where? basically, yeah. And I felt like that, like, in a post-board game where they go to this super defensive, like, super grindy value thing, I felt like that was how a lot of games were coming down. And I I just felt like I was running out of threats to win the game with and then mm. getting grinded out. And so I thought maybe that that would be a good threat. And it needed to be something that cost two or less mana because of Loris. So. I like that, actually. I, th I think that's that's a better way to approach it because it seems like, you know, it, it's become pretty stocked. That's how all Gruul decks have decided to be post-board. You know, just Ox is the best card. That That's no secret. That card is insane. But to pair with those kind of cards that can be a little clunky, you got to be able to kill their creatures. And Scorching Dragonfire was just like the go-to along with Bone Crusher. So I actually like that. I think that seems kind of sweet. Uh, I actually added the card to attack with it, not to block with it. So yeah, that's that was the thing. So if I can get seven cards in their graveyard and attack with it, I'm happy. If I can't block with it, I mean, there will be games where that's a problem, but that was yeah. that's not the intended purpose. And I don't know if yeah, it's I mean, good it, or not, but yeah, if it, if it comes down with a, if it comes down with a crab, then I could see it being very powerful uh, and almost just like take over games if you're on the plane. You do that, but in other games. It it's so slow and it doesn't synergize with the rogues, or it's not an interactive spell. That um, I guess my biggest fear is when it's going to pair with like you already have low mages dominations and into the stories, but it doesn't <coughs> pair well with them. That's what I'm saying. But it does come down and like it can trade early with a love struck or a bone crusher. Which I mean, is it still basic. activates right to, to yeah, feed it. It still puts cards in the graveyard. I mean, it's not fast at it, but it doesn't yeah. do nothing. It's still the same yeah. pressure as the 1-1 one, one merfolk, unless you're trying to get aggressive. 
But then, what yeah. I'm saying is, you have this mana investment, mm-hmm. and if it's not going to speed fuel like the other rogues do, your other cards, yeah. And if it if it's in a so it's either you're taking some creatures out of your deck to play it, yeah. You're taking your payoffs out to play it, or you're taking your interaction out to play it, yeah. Yeah, it almost and, seems and, like... And if, oh, you, so, if you take your creatures out, you lose synergy. Mm-hmm. If you take your payoff cards out, then that becomes a payoff, and is it better than your payoff cards? And if you take out removal, you have a, you run a higher risk of them landing their big spells. That's what I'm talking about as a fear. Well, I'm taking out interaction because I'm losing games where I have too much interaction, and it's not the right interaction. Like, it doesn't matter how much interaction you have. If your opponent plays Clothis you're going to die in 10 turns. You can kill every creature mm-hmm. and not take any damage. You're going to die in 10 turns. Yeah. And so I'm not, I'm not losing games to not having interaction for the most part. I'm mostly mm-hmm. always losing to go them going over the top of what I'm doing. Them doing something that interaction can't beat like looping oxes of a gonus, um, you know, like all that kind of stuff. You're never beating that. There's no amount of interaction that beats that kind of stuff. Like Great Henge, all the like that's where I'm losing games. And uh the games that I was winning, well, I'll sometimes I will win the interaction games if they just don't have the right pieces. But uh a lot of the games I was winning, I were games where I was able to stimmy what they were doing, but also be attacking them at the same time. Um and eventually could just put pressure on them as well. So they couldn't just sit back forever and do nothing. So Seems interesting. And uh, yeah. so that brings us to, so BBD's playing Demir. So Brad, I mean, I know what you're playing, but for everybody else, you want to tell everyone what you selected? Yeah, I just reloaded Gruel and yeah. uh, and, and made a lot of changes to it. Um, uh, from from Ray's build, uh, for a lot of people, like there's, there's like three or four cards that, you know, have been moving around in main decks of Gruel. Mm-hmm. It's the Scorching Dragonfire numbers, the Primal Might numbers, uh, the Great Henge, and even Vivian. And so what we're seeing a lot of people doing lately is playing more Scorching Dragonfire's main deck. And what, just sorry to interrupt you here, but they were like basically all two ofs uh, with Ray's list, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. okay. Um, and and so like I, I've personally cut Primal Might from the deck. It's It's good in the mirror, but there are better options, in my opinion. So okay. I'm not playing that card. Um, I've seen I've been seeing a lot of people start playing Vivian's in the main, but I don't think it's good in the mirror. I am playing one copy, um, the four mana or five mana one. Four. Uh, there's no four mana Vivian in. in... Oh, that card rotated. Yeah, five, okay, five mana Vivian, like the Vivian <laughs> that everyone's playing, the experimental frenzy for creatures. Yeah, of course. For some reason, I thought the other one was not rotated, just bad now. But yeah, never mind. That card would be Get played with the program. Corey. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then the Great Henge numbers go up in Embercleave. Um, is actually like the the interesting thing about Gruel and Demir, in my opinion, is how they're combating each other. Like Demir is starting to play Low Mage's main, but that that's weaker in the mirror. Yeah. Um, Gruel is starting to to low, <coughs> like like Embercleave is not good against Demir, but it's great in the mirror. Okay. So we're starting to see people go from four to three or even two. I've seen some lists, but mostly three. Um, and then Primal Might's good in the mirror, but not good against Demir. Vivian's not that good against Gruel, but it's good against Demir. So we're starting to see these cards kind of like move around in a combination. Now, I'm not going to give out my entire 75 until tomorrow. Sure. Um, where our mini is going to be coming out tomorrow. So I can go through my deck list and explain everything. 
but I don't want to give any any of my competitors an extra day with my 75. So so yeah, totally makes sense. So we see pretty often that the best deck, if it becomes so popular, that deck starts to cannibalize itself to be better in the mirror. Do you think Gruul and Demir are getting to the point where they're cannibalizing each other to beat each other? That they're getting worse against the other decks we're going to talk about, or is it is that not really the case? Do you think? So I thought so, and this is the interesting thing. When, once we start talking about these decks, I thought that that was a theoretical possibility, but the the truth is, I think that Gruul and Demir are just the like card for card best archetypes that have the most difficult to be exploited. Like, okay. and the best example I have for this is like, like. You can pick up a green white Yorian deck that I believe is slightly favored against Girl Ventures and slightly behind against Demir Rogues. A decent choice because it's up there to combats with them. But then you play against Azurus Yorian, you're bad. You play against Team Rap, you're bad. Yeah, and I don't even um, know if I agree with it being favored against Gruul. <laughs> I also don't know honest. if I agree with it only being slightly behind against Demir. <laughs> yeah, it's a shit show. <laughs> I play I played that deck recently to test it out, and yeah, I I I, also, I was getting pretty beat up by rogues. I also played it recently, and I was just getting clowned by everything. Honestly, so yeah. Well, I'm mostly talking about these two matches because, like, I do think that that deck, uh, even if it splashes black, like, has a lot of tier two and three matchups that are it's buying against. Yeah, but I mean, you put green white Yorian up against Rakdos, and it's going to annihilate it. You know, so th there's there's give and take for sure. But yeah, and then and then you know you t then you just look at a few decks like they just feel more exploited by the rest of the metagame, whereas I don't think Gruul and Demir are. And if Gruul Gruul's behind in a matchup. It's never like, by much. Except for like maybe one matchup. Hey, what do you think that is? Rogue. That's how kind of how I feel about Rogues yes, too. I, agree. I, I don't really yeah. feel like Rogues is real. I don't think Rogues has any matchups where it's like as like I, I think Gruel can be way more dominant than Rogues can be. But I also yeah. just feel like like there's no matchup where Rogues isn't in the match. You know, like I think I think Rakdos midrange it is. I don't it think is. so. I disagree. Mm, I, I don't I mean, yeah. our whole testing team is on one side of it. Like we, 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 we tested that matchup a shit ton, and Rakdos is just, just yeah. annihilating it. I would agree with that, but I would also say Esper Doom. I I have had a lot of success with against Demir Rogues. Now, granted, I've played a lot more to the battlefield. Like I've been playing Madomi's uh, Prophecy. Um, you know, a bunch of cling to dust and just cards that are better at going to the battlefield instead of like the new versions that are coming out with like extinction events, a bunch of spot removal and stuff. Um, you know, a bunch of Elspeth's nightmares, obviously good against that. I was crushing with doom foretold against uh, rogues, but yeah, but I mean, other this, than that, this part yeah. seemed a lot better. Like the extinction events and spot removals, not, not that great. Cling to dust is incredibly yeah. good though. in The matchup, but. Yeah, it really is Elspeth's Nightmare. You play Elspeth's Nightmare before you play Dance of the Mance, and you just you just win a large percentage of the time. But then you give up so much against your Gruul decks by playing, you know, Prophecy and Eggs and stuff. So there's a give and take. So so here's the here's the issue for me here um, on this discussion, and okay. um, and this is just the way I believe. So I'm going to pull up on Untapped GG. All right, so I I am I am 23 and five with Gruel in my testing session for this MPL. Pretty good. Pretty good. 80%. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty and, close. 
And and I'm I'm a firm believer that if you have a well-tuned deck and you understand how to play it, yeah, and you are a skilled pilot, your results on the ladder don't matter. Agreed. Totally agree. And 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 so I don't I don't actually take into account any of my like research on a format on there, except for if like card exchanges are happening on the turns that I want them to. If I have a Scorching Dragonfire <laughs> in my deck. Do I have time to cast it? Do, uh, you know, if I try a searing blaze or whatever, the searing flesh, uh, whatever it's called, the two colorless red deal five. Roast? No, it's it's in this format. It's two colorless oh, red. Oh, soul seer. Soul seer. Soul seer. Yeah. If I if if I try soul seer in my sideboard and I and I play in the mirror and I find that it never sequences well in my deck, I'm like, oh, this card's bad. Yeah. Um. You know, and that's how I test things. Thrashing Bronton is the same thing. Do I want wilt? Do I want Shieldbreaker, do I want Thrashing Brontodon? I test them all and sure, see how sure. they play out. But like for the actual matchups, I, I don't take a lot into account there. And, you know, in the testing with the dedicated team, um, we were finding our builds of Esper Doom were good against Gruel, bad against Teamer, or bad against Demir, and our Rakdos midrange was bad against Gruel and good against uh, Demir um, by, by favorable amounts. And that data doesn't even like really translate to um to like the mtg data like they they drop a lot of like the the win percentage matrixes mm -hmm. now like, I, I will say that can't be the holy grail of of data because i mean we've been on testing teams where we've had data that's been skewed because it is a small sample size you're only five people you're only six people or whatever and there's times when they might not just be a very good X player, right? Like they're not good with this deck. Everybody's kind of just wanting to play Y and they text with test with X and X does terrible because nobody's really in it. Nobody plays it as, as well as they're playing the other deck. You know, that can happen. I'm not saying that's happening with you now, but. Well, no, but I'm, I'm just saying that these, this is like why I'm, you know, when I, when I say that I think that Rakdos is very favored against Amir, like sure, yeah. sure. that that data I mean, I have, and our data shows that. I mean, I have my yeah. own. I I mean, mine is also small sample size, but I played a lot with Rakdos and I played with Amir, and I did not have the same experiences. Like I, I granted, I do not think I was playing Rakdos very well, but I was not beating Brogues at a rate that I would expect to beat them at. If the interesting, I, was I, also, I definitely. I definitely did share that experience with Brad for sure. And when I was playing Rogues, I also was not struggling with Rakdos like that either. So like, I, I, I mean, granted that's super small sample size and I'd, mm -hmm. I would trust your testing results over me just randomly playing people. But uh, I don't know. It just didn't seem like it's as bad as people are saying. Like, so, so, sure. so what, 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 why don't you think it's bad? Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, pre I'll preface that question real quick with just uh, obviously every single build the only deck that I think is getting super homogenized is Gruul Agro. Demir, Demir and Rakdos have still multiple variants floating around. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we're we're never going to see the same information, much like how Google distorts what we actually see based on regions. Thanks the 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 social dilemma on Netflix. Oh, did you finally watch everything. it? Oh, it was terrible. Oh God, I yeah, I agree. Vomit. Yeah, uh, agree. I, wanted, I wanted to vomit. I agree. But, <laughs> but like. So our, our results are going to be different, but like what, what, when you look at a Rakdos deck, what tells you that it's, it's not going to be a very difficult matchup for Demir with so much interaction. Well, nothing tells me and, that by looking at the escape. deck list, of course, like the, I, that's why I played, that's why I was testing Rakdos is because I thought it would be good. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, it just, it looks like it should be good. And, and maybe it is, maybe it actually is, but from playing the games out, I felt like as playing rogues, you can like pick your spots with creatures, like to make, like you can play these games where Rakdos deck is not adding much to the board and they're just sitting there with a lot of interaction and you're doing the same. And those games tend to favor rogues. I felt so I, I don't know, like, you know, I think, Cling to Dust is one of the most, you know, important cards there because you have to be able to take Croxes and stuff out of the yard. But mm. maybe my maybe my Raxus opponents were not playing their cards correctly either. I don't know that, but and and I probably wasn't when I was also piloting Raxus. But I don't know. I it didn't feel like the very easy matchup that you're making it out to be. Well, it's definitely on paper, and as far as the stats for the MPL <laughs> rivals thing, it was like an 87% matchup in favor of Rakdos last time. But honestly, it, I, we can move past it. That This is semantics. It doesn't truly matter um, if we have slightly data, different data on that matchup. But Yeah, it's also a couple yeah. weeks old. Who knows what has changed since then? Like People are playing different definitely. versions of the deck now. Like Yeah. So. Well, to be fair, this last weekend of all the tournaments that played, and there's a, a decent sample size, between October 26th to November 1st, Demir Rogues was beating Rakdos midrange 23.5% of the time. So, yeah, I mean, that's about the same as the Orion win rate, so it's right up my alley. Like, <laughs> I don't see what's wrong Is with that. Is it time for you to switch your deck, BBD? Why would or? I want to switch my deck? 23.5? It doesn't get that much better than that. You can get up to 25%, but beyond that. But that's the so, problem. So, so let's just say that Rakdos does beat Demir, and we agree on that. I believe that it 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 might have a little bit it might win that it might lose the gruel matchup less than it wins the Demir matchup if that makes sense i'm trying to say but i still think gruel is heavily favored against rakdos in our testing the, I, the way that my deck plays out or the build we have how cloth this interacts in the matchup i think gruel um, sorry to butt in here but i think gruel no, is it. so favored against rakdos midrange if the gruel player is prepared that it is almost unwinnable for rakdos really yes interesting interesting this is the an only unbeatable way. card yes yeah, yeah, it really is against them the only games i actually lose um from the gruel side against rakdos is when and i'm not i'm not kidding you it's the games where they put turn three um call of the Dead or call of Timurat's dead Timur- or whatever. Call- Timurat calls the dead. Yeah, calls the dead. Timurat calls the dead into play, and they they flip the the uh, Kroxa off the second chapter. Yeah, just so, just so you can hit it. Four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just so my sca- It's like I I I don't have an opportunity to put a scavenging news like to eat it. Yeah, or yeah, like those are the only games that I feel like I lose is when they get to cheese a, a Kroxa into play on turn four. Even a late game Kroxa is like beatable because like I'm either gonna take it take over the game with my graveyard interaction or yeah. my Vivians or great hinges. So it really sounds like Rakdos. I mean, like is, is good, you know, in, in theory against rogues and then just that's it. It, it. it really seems like that is just the only deck that it overperforms against. But since that deck's so popular, people play it, but it does not seem like a good choice for this weekend. Yeah. I tested three decks for this tournament. Demir, Rakdos, and Celestia, and mm-hmm. I uh, was not winning with Rakdos or Celestia very much, and I did not think either yep. of them were good decks. Like, 
Yeah, I tested Celestia as well uh, after after the podcast when we talked about it last time, yeah. thinking that it had the highest win percentage and stuff. Yeah, I uh, even did it for my dropping bombs, and well, well, I did okay. It was nothing extraordinary for sure. And I started but playing. I, I started also, playing Demir, and I was like, "Wow, this is a real deck." Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't playing yeah. it very well, but I was like, I could have won that game if I was, you know. But it's like, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, this is a testament to this format. I actually do think that Standard is in a healthy place where deck building matters again, where we can't yep. all just work together and homogenize the best list. Like, yeah. it's very difficult to find the best figure configurations of these Rakdos decks, the Demir decks, Gruul decks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even even Teamer, right? So we had Teamer Ramp and 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 Autumn and, and Emma uh, played it in the last MPL. And Jess, I was playing Estefan, it previously. Yeah. That and Jess was on as well. Mm-hmm. I was playing it previously, and lately there's a new version popping up that is actually Teamer Adventure Ramp, mm. where it it it's taking out some of the ramp side of things just to be able to fit in Lovestruck Beast and Edgewall Innkeeper. Okay, um, and it slows down, or you know, it it takes the Ugans out, and it just goes to this plan. And looks like, like it just kind of traded Visionaries for. Uh, Lovestruck Beast. I think that's really and, it. And Visionary right? sucks. Yeah, um, Visionary does seem really bad right now. Bone Crusher's well, back, so. Yeah, and what's really cool, though, is from the Gruul side, you know, uh, Sato really showed us that the Akron War is a standard playable card. Mm. And, and so, like, you know, that's already, like, hurting these ramp decks. This ramp deck is, like, trying to evolve to beat Gruul and be a little faster on the board and put some roadblocks up before it ramps out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I, I, you know, I'm cheesing people with the Akron War. They're like, "Here's a Terror of the Peaks," and I'm like, "I'll steal that. Good luck." Yeah, I mean, the Akron War does seem quite insane right now. It's very good. It's very yeah. good. The mirrors. So, like, um, what I'll say about the mirrors, real quick, about the Akron War is the the it all comes down to your Great Henges and your Amber Cleaves. And what Akron War does is that they put a five five into play. And I, I also ca- count uh, Mammoth as a five five. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so if they put that into play next turn, they can either attack you with an Ember Cleaver or get a great engine to play. But if you accrue more of that threat, then you get to put the artifact into play. You get to put the great henge into play. Yeah, they either have to answer your threat, which they're answering their own threat, so it's a natural two for one, or they're setting up for their battlefield, and you get to essentially blink first, pay your big thing, and then, I mean, we know what happens. The person who, who does the big thing first most of the time wins. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so that card's very good in the mirrors and also has applications other matchups like Team or Ramp or Golgari Adventures. So my uh, question with Team or Ramp real quick is it may it maybe it sounds like it's a little better against Gruel, but it seemed really bad against Rogues already. Like does it beat either one of them or does it have just like a 48% against both now? I I honestly think that it's not a good deck, but some people are just trying it out. But the thing is is I don't think it beats Demir game one yeah but it it actually looks like a real deck after sideboard now the thing just because the they add ramp, oxes <laughs> what was that just because they add oxes <laughs> well no like if you like you know you play scorching dragonfires mystical disputes oxes vivians and sharks on the board and sure before you couldn't board out enough things to not look like a ramp deck mm-hmm. and now you can right like you have enough like because you have this adventure package, you can just turn it into a team or adventures deck. You kind of just look just like plays a bunch it's of cards. It's kind of just a gruel deck, right? Like you're just turning into gruel <laughs> after sideboard against rogues. Yeah, with, with yeah with shark typhoons and mystical disputes. But yeah, and I mean, but it's just still, it's it's Vivian same, and scorching dragonfires. Yeah, yeah, it's the same concept. Like, um, and I'll say kill that, stuff and then bring back ox. You're right. I'll say this: 
I've been a notorious standard hater uh, for a long time, including on this podcast. This <laughs> is genuinely a good format right now. Like it is, so it's, it's, it is an actually fairly balanced, fun format. Games are actually interesting. Um, will it continue to be that way? Who knows? But for now, it actually is genuinely a, a good standard format. Brian's back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh... <laughs> I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. Don't call. Don't call it too early. Yeah, don't call it a comeback. Yeah. You don't call things too early. You've only got ten percent of the votes, and uh, you got to hold off. Um, okay, sure, sure. But yeah, I think that uh, that adventure deck, like, <laughs> might not be good right now. I mean, I, I have no experience with it either way. I'm just going off what Brad said. Uh, but in the past, Teamer Adventures was in a similar spot where it was kind of a cool new deck that sprung up that wasn't that good, and that was at the time where uh, Golos was dominating um, and and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sprung up, and it wasn't good enough, but it was a really cool deck at the time, and people eventually hammered down how to build it and, and so forth, and it actually became Tier 1 for quite some time. Uh, yep. So... It would not surprise me if something was there in the future for like that kind of a deck once people get it hammered out. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so uh, do you guys mind if we go to the next deck over, over Team of Ramp? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one thing I have been like personally interested in um, because I just you know I'm seeing you know, your little bulletin points or your bullet points here on Esper Doom Foretold, and I've actually I don't remember what tournament it was, guys, but there was something someone listed a it might have been like the Red Bull event of win percentages um, of a recent tournament this last weekend, and it, it did have Esper Doom as the highest win percentage with Gruel right below it, um, and I, I I'm wondering if you think it's a good deck now. Or if it's still still not great, because um, I know you were pretty low on the Doom Foretold side. And me personally, I played it on the Arena Open, and I changed it to 60 cards. I tried to make it better against Gruul, because that was my big problem. I was beating Rogues pretty, Rogues pretty consistently, and I was beating other Yorian decks. I was beating Rakdos, but I just felt like 35% against Gruul with the version I had. So I started adding more Heartless Axe. I even played a couple Shatters. I tried some Extinction events and I was still struggling. And I felt like I evened the deck out against other matchups and just kind of made it into a bad deck. So I kind of gave up on it. But like, wh- wh- what do you think about it? I think it's the best anti Gruul deck, but it's weak to Demir Rogues. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next deck. Let's go. <laughs> no, bro. I want to hear. Uh, I want to hear why you think it is good against Gruel, and like what percentage is quote unquote good against Gruel. Um. So the reason I think it's good against Gruel is because Gruel has slowed itself down, playing more removal spells. Main. Would you say cannibalizing um, itself to to beat rogues? Or well, I don't know if I would say can. I don't think cannibalizing is a fair thing to say when Scorching Dragonfire is a good card in the mirror and against rogues. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, and and the removal in general is fine in certain matchups, but I'm just saying that like the initial builds of this deck were like Stone Coil Serpents and Gem Razors and like a little bit more aggressive. And these cards have been removed from the deck. Even Questing Beast, that is a cannibalization where Questing Beast is very good against Yorion based decks, white based decks, but mm-hmm. it's not in particularly good in the mirror or against a mirror. But I would also argue that uh, Scorching Dragonfires is cannibalizing because I think it's good against Gruul and Demir. But if we look down at our spreadsheet here of all the other decks, it's not good against any of these decks. 
I mean, maybe well, Golgari Adventures so, so to hitting. So cannibalizing is but. just saying that you're doing things to beat Gruel. Like, you're trying, you're doing things to win a mirror match. True. I guess not in the sense of cannibalizing, but cannibalizing the the two match. If you were to group those matchups together, because they're both like fighting for the one two spot, where I feel like both of those decks are just trying to yeah, be but better make in up the mirror. Percent of a meta game. That's what I'm saying. And, but at MPL, they're probably going to make up even more. So that's, that you can't consider it cannibalizing. Okay, so I just use the, forget that word. Then what I how about this? Gruel and Demir are both trying to beat themselves and the other. You know, so Gruel's trying to beat Demir being and Gruel by each other. Yes, exactly. So does that give room for other decks to come up, or is well, that what we're going to see? Maybe. But that's the thing is that's what you know that's that's the issue that we were talking about right away is that mm -hmm. it's difficult to beat both yeah. and yeah and so if you want to focus on gruel because it's a higher percentage of the metagame like then demir is gonna prey on you yeah and so that's what i feel like esper doom is doing it's focusing itself to be gruel and gruel is willingly accepting it they're like hey i'm gonna take out my 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 quest to be i'll put them in the sideboard I'm going to play cards like Vivian. I'm going to play cards like the Great Henge. Sure. I'm going to play more removal. And, you know, Doom Foretold's like, all right, cool. I'm in. Let's do this. Sure. But then, but then you you know, that build, <clears throat> it, even though, like, our team tried to, we wanted Esper to be good, mm -hmm. but Demir just kind of doesn't care. So um, are you saying lean and 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 it draws cards and it's just it's just so good. Are you saying the Esper Doom list that uh, kind of like Manguchi's list that he posted recently with just like extinction events, you know, like four or five spot removals, that version? I mean, I, I don't know exactly what version. I can only say that we have four Shark Typhoons in our version. Oh, if you had Shark Typhoon. I oh, I think that card is heinous. I wasn't even playing a single copy of that card. Yeah, I played against. I've played against Doom Foretold with Rogues a handful of times, and one of them was playing Shark Typhoons, and the other one, both of them were playing Extinction Event and, and Removal Spells, but one one of the lists that I was playing against was playing Typhoons. The other I play them in the not, board, and I bring them in, you know, sometimes against Rogues, but uh, main decking seems aggressive because it's just so bad against Gruul, in my experience. Well, but if the rest of your deck is so focused on Gruul and it's just a cantrip, like... True. It's not the worst thing, right? Yeah, if it's just all removal spells and then essentially shark is a two for one removal spell, then it does get better. So yeah, okay. All right. I can I mean, believe I'm it. Also, I'm also not gonna say this is the best version of the deck because no one's found the best version of the deck. So yeah. if this was a good version of the deck, we'd be playing it. And mm. um, but you know, you can't so it, it was a failed experiment. Couldn't be both decks. Yeah, and I mean that's what I I tried. Sorry to interrupt you one last time, BBD, but I, I tried so hard, and that's the deck I've been putting so much time into because it feels so close, you know? Like it feels like if you can get the perfect configuration. I feel like it feels like absolute garbage. I hate playing the deck. Really? Oh, I hate it. I hate I, it. My I hands mean, are so clunky and weird. And <laughs> they, yeah. they, they don't they don't function sometimes like yeah, that's why the list I've always liked were just the ones that played to the board, you know, and didn't have to play removal. Those that one felt like a, a oiled machine, but it couldn't be cruel. So I had to deviate away from it. And then when you have to break that mold where you're not a dedicated Doom Foretold deck, just playing things to the battlefield every single turn, then Doom Foretold itself gets worse. So then the deck is just not as functioning. So I think if Doom Foretold is good, it's good in the tap out version that just plays everything to the board. And if it's if it, that particular build is not good, then you just should not play that deck, in my opinion. That's the conclusion I came to anyways. 
Yeah, I'm cool with not playing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think Rogues is just structurally structurally favored against Esper Doom Foretold. <laughs> And I think mm-hmm. you can go, you could, I'm sure there's a way to build a deck that's good against rogues. Like you, you said your version was, mm-hmm. but yeah, like what are, what does that mean for the rest of the metagame? I'm, I, I don't know. It might not be possible to build it to beat both. Yeah. Maybe doesn't that's exist fair. because a lot of times you could build a deck to beat two different decks in a metagame. But mm-hmm. if you start for like, I just think like the, the Orion decks just start so far behind against rogues that you just have to do so much to make that a good matchup, and it, it's really hard to be able to do all that and beat other decks too. Yeah, totally fair. All right, yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's 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 just like the 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 elephant in the room in this metagame, and and we've talked about it, but in different ways. Is Kazu like, Mammoth? There's there's a deck that has Embercleave, and there's a deck that has Into the Story, and these are two of the like most powerful cards, and they're in archetypes that have ways to gain card advantage, very good curves. I mean, let's let's talk about why Gruel's so good. It gets mm-hmm. to play 30 lands and still curve out most games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And on you top know. of that, I think the thing that Gruel and Demir both share is sideboarding against them. Demir's a little bit more vulnerable to this, but sideboarding against them is not one-dimensional in any regard. Like, Gruel, you can sideboard to beat the creatures and they slam a Vivian and you're dead. You know, you can grow to beat the big stuff and just have a bunch of ECDs and they brush fire elemental and value you out with uh, Innkeeper and you're dead. You know, and uh, the same with Demir in a sense where you can just be trying to completely target their graveyard or target graveyard in a sense and they just get an a control draw against you and you know it's hard to win so it's it makes sideboarding hard against both decks basically no matter what you're playing is what i've come to the conclusion of yeah yeah and i mean that's that's a lesson that i'm seeing in modern as well like i know you guys don't play modern but just good modern decks are not just all in prowess decks or whatever they do like three different things and you got to be ready and Sideboarding is very, very difficult against them. Uh, you know. Yeah, good decks in standard are almost always decks that can adapt, that have multiple game plans that aren't exploitable. Like it's so mm-hmm. rare that an exploitable deck is the best deck in a format. Well, Agreed. speaking speaking of exploitable decks, um, <laughs> one of one of the last decks that I want to talk about that definitely worth bringing up is Azorius Yorion. Now, oh yeah, uh, I have been seeing articles, people in podcasts, and people on on social media talking about how. Like they're like 80 card Yorian is the, the the wrong way to build the deck. You're supposed to play 60 card version. I've seen the same stream that. Yep. Yeah. And uh and uh they're not. Don't don't fall victim <laughs> to this. 60 card Yorian is just as bad as 80 card Yorian. <laughs> I in fact think it might be worse because you start drawing cards in duplicates more frequently. And mm. like opening when you when you have an opening hand, like in the first top 10 cards, having sometimes having two priests or two omen the seas is worse than what having is priest? Uh, a priest, uh, not priest, the the uh, the two drop that Char- has three modes. Charming prince, charming prince, okay. yes, charming prince, yeah, you know, like drawing drawing multiples of some of your four ofs that you want to have four of because they're, they're powerful in certain ways in your deck. Uh, sometimes bites you in those early opening draws. Nor- normally, I'd be swearing at you for talking so ill of Yorian, but this time I totally agree with you. So I got to give it to you. I also, I also <laughs> agree with you because the thing about the cards that are in the blue white Yorian deck is so many of them are situational or hit or miss. 
And mm-hmm. if you go down to a 60 card deck, you're going to just be playing four. You're generally playing four ofs of whatever you consider the best cards to be, but it doesn't mm-hmm. change the fact that they're still situational hit or miss cards. And so if you draw three copies of X in a matchup where X is not good, you're going to have mm-hmm. a bad time. And so, yeah, it is to some extent an advantage of the 80 card version in that you have more cards and different cards to see. And you might draw the ones that you want for a specific matchup, although you probably won't. Yeah. But, you and know, whole- we're not even getting to the point where, like, the <clears throat> deck still has trouble closing out games and the Elspeth Conquers death issue between Demir and Gruel. And yeah. yeah, and holy shit, like, I mean, that that is exactly it. There's never been a deck that if you try to beat either Gruel or you try to beat Demir, do you completely sacrifice the other matchup? You know, like, if you're bringing in a bunch of Shatters and a bunch of, like, Giant Killers, Elspeth Cogger's death, yeah, you might have stand a chance against Gruel, but those are not going to be good against Demir, and if you have Glimpse of Freedom and shit, that's not going to help you against Gruel, so very polarizing. Yeah, it's even... even- like we talked about that with the Esper deck, but it's even more exaggerated with Blue White, I think. One hundred percent. Yeah, that is yeah, the most opposite uh, when it comes to trying to beat both decks. That's nearly impossible with Azorius. And then, and then the last, the real last deck that I want to talk about today is mm-hmm. is Golgari Ventures because it frustrates me to no end. Yeah, this deck, in theory, I have convinced, I've talked myself into it and convinced myself that this should be a good deck. And yeah. each time I pick it up, it's not a good deck. It's just is it's it, slow. It's cumbersome. Is it like? Do you think it's mm-hmm. losing ground against better tune Gruel and Demir Rev builds? Oh my god! <laughs> I don't want to have to fucking do this shit anymore. <laughs> Honestly, I just think I just think the time where Magic was all about a deck that had so much value that it never ran out of cards. Like a lot of decks do that now. Now it has to be you can't run out of cards or you don't run out of cards fast and you got to be able to close the game as well. And Golgari never has been able to close the game except with um, except when you had like format of Vivian. You know, that's what gave that deck the ability to close and also never run out of steam. And since we lost that, it's like, sure, you can play Rankles, you can play Questing Beasts, but like they're just not that good right now. And that, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I believe, I understand why it's not that good right now. That just Gruel is just a better adventure stack, in my opinion. Yeah, I think what you yeah. said there is an incredibly good point of, it used to be a point in time in Magic and in Standard in particular where never running out of gas was a legitimate reason to play a deck. Like that was, was a, a legitimate, yeah. that was like, that was your strategy. And that mm-hmm. was a legitimate reason to pick a deck is because it it, it could grind forever. Like Drana Lich, you know, mystical teaching shit. Like that that was a deck that just never wanted to stop running well, out I, of things. I can even think of times mm-hmm. where I can prove you wrong, where like no, no, I'm saying that it 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 shows up like history repeats itself here. Like it like Golgari Adventures is Obs on Reanimator to Gruel's Jund midrange, right? Like Obs on Yoria or Obs on Reanimator would like try to go really long, but Jund would have these bonfires, have have these um discard your entire hands, things to really close the games out. I wasn't playing at the time, so I'll leave that to you guys. Yeah, I mean it, but, and I actually the one one of the tournaments that I top aided with uh Abzan Reanimator was during a period where Jund was the mo- most popular deck. I actually played it like six times and it was eleven round Swiss one day tournament she played it six <laughs> six times i think over the swiss 
and I just kept beating it because I had switched my version of Abzan to have like Shadowborn Demon, all these cards that actually could put a lot of pressure on and weren't getting bonfired <laughs> mm-hmm. and stuff. And I mm-hmm. that's how I was winning that matchup because yeah, that is what happened is Jund was built to grind through and the threat of bonfire was always looming over a game. And if you could grind long enough, you eventually would find one. Yeah. I mean, I think the the earliest one I remember of decks that just never ran out of steams and it was actually good was just like the green white devotion deck that we played. That one that one was a deck that just <laughs> no, but I mean that deck did no, just that, go that, long, I don't know, right? Yes, that, I don't yeah. know if I would even call it not running out of steam. It just it it exponentially grew upon itself. But yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but like to get back on track, like you were saying, like that's that used to be a strategy. Like now, every single deck does that. Like yeah, and, like yeah. like all these decks do. Like uh, yep. Rakdos never runs out of gas because it's got like the oxes and all that other stuff. Like the Yorion decks, they never run out of gas. Gruel, um, I guess, can run out of gas, but usually doesn't because of Great Henge, Edgewell, Innkeeper. And, those and you sideboard into a plan against Demir Rogues where your whole game plan is to not run out of gas Ex- with oxes and stuff. E- yeah. Exactly. And then, you know, Demir is, is the same thing with, like, into the stories and stuff. You just draw yep. so many cards that, yeah. And, and it, even... T- Oh, sorry. Even Teamer Ramp, like Cultivate, Beanstalk, Giant. These are cards that get you another land and then replace themselves. You know, that yeah. that's not a design that we've seen, you know, back in the day was Farseek. You know, I mean, Farseek, it would be insane. Don't get oh, me wrong. Cultivate but- was printed a long time ago. It was, yeah. Uh, edit that out, Jonathan. Uh- <laughs> yeah, it is a reprint from a long time ago. What was that? Kamigawa yeah. was that when it came out? Well, that was Kodama's, Kodama's Reach. Kodama's Reach, yeah. yeah. This is a Same functional kind of thing, reprint. Yeah. yeah. But that was the original printing of that style of card, right? Am I wrong? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, well, that's exciting stuff, guys. I think, uh, I think you guys did just choose a good call. You know, I do think Gruel and Demir is going to be really really popular but i think at the end of the weekend it's going to be hard for either one of those archetypes to be like wow i should not have played this deck like maybe you have a bad record and you personally didn't enjoy it or whatever but it's going to be hard to look at the stats and be like wow demir just bombed or gruel just bombed i don't think that's going to happen no i don't either i don't think that they both i think gruel has a higher floor than demir does but demir might have a higher ceiling Yep, I think that's probably a pretty good way to look at it. Yeah. But I'll be watching regardless. I I don't know how to describe it. Like, I, I actually, I don't want to even say this because I feel bad saying it because it it mm. gives Brad the satisfaction. I, I think Gruul is probably just a better deck. Um, I think it is too, yeah. But I, I think that, I don't know if I agree exactly with that. Like, I think Gruul does have a higher floor than Rogues. Rogues, I think, definitely has a, I think Rogues is e- a little easier to exploit not that it's an exploitable deck, but it is a it is a more linear strategy, I think, than Gruel. Um, and the one obvious thing here, it's harder to play it for is. sure. You know, so getting uh, getting off the the lower floor thing, you have to put in reps with that deck a little oh, bit more oh, than Gruel. Gruel oh, is Gruel is tough, but all right, all right, all right. I, I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna argue against you, Brian. Okay. Before you even make your argument. Okay. Cool. So Sweet. a meta, meta game prediction for me for this weekend okay. is everyone knows Gruel and Demir are good. <coughs> they think Gruel will be higher played. I agree. And if they think Gruel is higher played, then they're going to p- want to lean as an anti-Gruel deck. Yeah. And so Demir's ceiling is higher if they 
have a very good game one against Gruel and then just have to win. Because I think Demir's matchup gets more difficult for Demir after Cyborg against Gruel. Um, for sure. Ox have, is just yeah. so good. Yeah, whether or not yeah. who becomes more or less favored after board, the game is very is much harder to play for sure after board. <laughs> yeah. After yeah. But, but I think I think Demir has the edge game one. Um just mathematically, you know, like the games I played and watched, and I lose a lot more game ones than sideboarder games, things like that. Yeah. Um, and so if the metagame is Demir that is targeting Gruel, Gruel that is focused on Demir in the mirror, and more anti-Gruel decks, then Demir has a higher chance of spiking the weekend. Mm. That's why yeah. I'm saying that it has a high it has a higher potential ceiling this weekend. I can totally agree with that. Because I think if I was going into this tournament. I would be trying to beat Gruel step one. If my deck did not have a good Gruel matchup, I wouldn't play it. That's where my headspace would be. So I guess my my point, and this might I don't think this counter I don't think this detracts from your point at all, but it's just a different thing. Because you're talking about an overall performance. Um, I think that uh I think that Demir has flatter matchups against the field than Gruel does, if that makes sense. Like, I think Demir's matchups against just if you go down different lists in, in the format are are much closer to 50-50s than Gruul's are. I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Uh, it, it kind of does. And it's also, like, difficult to know. Like, I I, I can see that, and I'm not even, but I'm not going to argue against it because the, the, the issue is, is right now we have so much in flux based on every deck list changing so, so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, only time will tell, boys. I'll be excited to watch. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm going to play the SCG on uh, Sunday. And I'll, uh, I, I'm leaning on Gruel, personally, but. I mean, I think, I think Gruel is a, is a great uh, in open tournament. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. But yeah, I, I didn't play Gruel, despite thinking it's a better deck, because A, I don't really enjoy those kinds of decks. And mm-hmm. B, uh, I did, I just don't think I play them very well, and I did not want to get into Gruel Mirrors where I don't know what the hell I'm doing against people who do. Um, yeah. And so that I ended up picking Demir for that reason. Now, I also don't want to do this. I also don't want to get into those Demir matchups. But Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, because I was like, wow, that's the opposite for me, because I, the reason I chose choose Gruel is because I think that's where my skill set is, and I don't want to get into Demir Mirrors. That's exactly where I would be at, too. Oh, I and- <laughs> definitely don't want to play Demir Mirrors, but I'm not going to lie. I played Rogues five times last week that I actually think I played, like, this is a little bit of metagaming, but I think I played against, like, a lot of the MPL players who actually are Rogue players. I think I played cool. against like, a good, like, I don't remember, I don't know how many people, how many people played. And were you winning? I, I won one of them, but I was playing Yorion. Oh, okay. That was when I was playing Yorion. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, nice! <laughs> I went one in four against Rogues above expectations, baby. Oh, this was this was all when you were playing Yorian. I thought you meant mirror matches. No, 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 no. La- like, oh, okay, la- okay. Like in the previous MPL thing, because you, it's round robin, so I'm not going to play against the same players I've yeah, already yeah, played yeah, against. Yeah. And I yeah. played against Rogues five times, and if I'm not mistaken, there were what like six or seven, maybe even eight, maybe eight Rogues players. Like I did play mm-hmm. against the bulk of them. So I probably like my guess is I'm going to play against a lot more gruel than I'm going to play against rogues. Yes, yeah, so, I would agree. So I'm I like I'm kind of just hoping to not play mirrors because I do not feel confident in them. But I do think I'm a better demir style player than gruel just as a general rule. So, yeah, I, gotcha. I agree with that. Like, I mean, I was uh, like 
Yeah, you played, you know, Miracles and Lantern and, you know, uh, you know, those are all things that you, you want to do. But I think that's where we're going to leave things. Um, our deck list will be live Friday morning, uh, as will everyone else from the MPL and Rivals. And then we will be um, we will be playing this weekend. I have a feature I'm excited. Match. Yeah, I have a feature match. Corey or Brian, you do not. Who are you? I'm Who's excited. your feature match? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I play. I play the one and only uh, Seth Motherfucking Manfield. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That'll be a tough one. No, and you, you have no idea what he's playing, right? Uh, he just tweeted while we were uh, doing the podcast something yeah. about like like testing was a grueling process, and I'm like, dog, if you left me because mm -hmm. we had to play each other, and you went and tested with other people, and you and just played gruel, gruel. <laughs> love it, love it. I would love that. But yeah, so so we're going to be playing that. I hope this uh, helps you understand this metagame a little bit better at home. If you have any questions about it and want to support us on uh, support the podcast as well, you can do so at patreon.com slash bachelor's podcast. Sign up uh, in the and sign up there and then you'll get access to our discord and you can ask us questions in the tournament prep room. Where, and, uh, yeah, and this and, has to just be the best month to join if you first want some questions answered or whatever, but access to that tournament with Heptagon giving away $500 cash. I highly doubt we're going to have a higher paying tournament. Uh, I mean, you never know, but oh, I uh, think eventually I think we're going to grow this thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But a great time to uh, come in and play that tournament as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be a great time. That's not this weekend, but the following weekend. But oh, uh, yeah. I, I think that ends things. I think it's time to kick off. The first week of the month for the cast and crew. You guys ready? Woo, let's do it. All right, so we got Oppo, who is our research director. And uh, unfortunately, we haven't been utilizing Oppo because we did no research for this episode. Um, what? That's not true. I, <laughs> Oppo and I did a ton of research for this oh, episode. Oh, okay, that's right. I did no research for this episode. <laughs> I mean, thank no, you for clearing that up. You looked through Gather to find the gargoyle. That, that is true. That's true. That's considered research, baby. And I'm actually going to share an embarrassing tidbit about that. Is oh, I was like, I need to find a card against uh, Gruel, and I started looking through Gatherer. And as soon as I saw a gargoyle, I just put put it in my sideboard and stopped looking. It was yes. there something better after the gargoyle? I, we'll I certainly know. don't know because I just stopped. <laughs> got to great. two drops. That's got to be good. Yep. Love it. <laughs> All right. And when you're doing a lot of research, you need coffee. And Wappa's up next. And that's Brad's personal barista. Oh, yeah. But of course, has that extra responsibility of being a personal dog walker, but hates the idea of walking BBD because, I mean, well, for obvious, hates obvious the idea reasons. Of walking as well. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, it's Wappa and BBD is a match made in heaven. And let's get real. Wappa and Brad with how much Brad loves coffee is a match made in heaven as well. I mean, it is, it is. Yeah. I, I have, I've enjoyed Wapas and I's uh, personal conversations about coffee and other things. Yeah. Uh, I hope, hope the, uh, the Hawaii weather is treating you well. And Ooh, uh, so jealous. I, I am. It's getting cold and the leaves are falling here. I would like some, some tropical climate right now. Fair. Uh, next up is we have Adham who is our ghost writer. Now, that sounded like Ghost Rider. Yeah, I was, no Nick yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was on it. There's no, there's no, the only Nicolas Cage is the pillow behind me. Um, 
around here. In fact, the ghost writer. That's a lie. Who ri- Stop it right now. That is a lie. You have a pillow as well. That's right. I have a Nicolas Cage pillow as well. God, what I, what can I do to get some respect for my the Cage guy's pillow? Range. The guy's got range. The guy's got range. Speaking of that, y'all, y'all should watch one episode of Community. It's uh, Community is an old uh, TV show about like a bunch of people in community college. And there's an episode about a class you take about Nicolas Cage. Okay. And it's, is, is Nicolas Cage a good actor? <laughs> wow. That's like the whole class? Movies. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's a good episode. It's, it's hilarious. Impressive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Gino Batista. Oh, that is whoa, whoa, incorrect. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Oh, incorrect. Oh, Powell. Oh, I forgot that is still a job here. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. You're up, BBD. Uh, next up, we've got David Watt. And what a good job he's been doing. <laughs> David is our special guest screener. And name a better duo than David Watt's selection and our guest on the Bash Bros podcast is none other than Brian Brown doing. Look, look, <laughs> I, I give David Watt a lot of shit. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it must have been difficult to find someone that got fired from SCG this week. That is true. It could it could have been easy. That That's true. true. Short list. Short list. You must have gotten some help from Oppo because that took some research to find that. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Hey. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Gino Batista. And uh Gino was supposed to be on the cast this week, but currently getting a full body tattoo. And cannot break free of that commitment. Also, side note, you know, uh, kind of important as well. Uh, still in jail. So well, that's, still. That's crazy. Yeah. So getting a full body tattoo in jail, that's got to be painful. And, and kind uh, of unsafe, really. Yeah, and unhealthy. Yeah, really <laughs> unhealthy. The, the hygienic but, sound bad, but it must must have a plan. Yeah. Must have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't break free and of the that plan commitment. Is to, the, the plan is to not come on the podcast so far. That's all I can tell. But uh, hopefully we get Gino one of these days. Uh, but only time will tell. All right. So Corey and Brian, uh, the next person on the cast and crew is none other than Paul that exploded all over my screen all over my microphone (laughs) everywhere worth it worth it i've already destroyed one keyboard from spilling a diet pepsi all over it Oh, don't, that's my keyboard. I know it is. I know. Wow. So would you say those keyboards have been double pepsitrated? <laughs> they have. This one, I believe, is surviving the ordeal, Brad. Which, okay, that's good. Yeah, because this that's is your, your keyboard, yes. Yeah, and, and I might eventually just want to switch back to it because I'm finding the keyboard I'm using is lighter on sounds with the microphone. Yep. But... Way more difficult to play among us, and I've been getting way more dedicated <laughs> to that. So I kind of want the mechanicals nice. back. Ooh, okay. Nice. Love um, it. Hell, we could just swap these two out today and try it for a little bit. <laughs> you guys want to save that for after the cast? No. We could. We could. Yeah. But okay. it's anyway, Paul's PBD's wall staring photographer. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Max, and that is Corey's Linguini coach. <laughs> that's great because Corey, your your pasta skills have dude. Been, I love pasta. 
Yeah, and they've been getting better. They've been getting better. I've been making a lot of pasta these days, so kudos to Max. But it actually yeah, is Corey's I... linguistic coach, so not kudos to Max. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't been talking any better. No, so. he is not. Oh, no, not. no, no. But hey, one really cool thing is next up, one of our good, good buddies. We got Phil. Hmm. Phil has just been absolutely crushing it lately. I have been, you know, I, I've been having some performance reviews on Phil to just make sure everything's been up to stuff. And I cannot find a single thing that Phil has done wrong. So I. That's that's yeah. fortunate, though, because I've been having some performance issues. Oh, well, um, there's a blue pill for that, Brad, but. Oh, I took the red one. Oh, oh. So you're trying to live in... Tri- oh, Never I have mind. no idea. I, I think Brian's <laughs> the only one that could tell us which one does what. Okay, For, okay. Sorry, what? But the blue and red pill. Oh, uh, the the red pill opens your eyes to the real world, because that's... Uh, Fuck, that's the one I took. Shit. Because that's the... Uh, <laughs> that's, oh, that's what this feeling of existential dread is? Are you not familiar with red pilling? Or the Red Pill community on Reddit? No. Good. Your life is better. <laughs> Good. Significantly better. <laughs> oh, too good, too good. All right. Uh, next up, we've got JP, who is who came in to be Phil's job coach now. But but Corey, you said Phil's been doing a really good job lately. Super so, good so job. JP's Zero been, mistakes. Cool. So so what? But JPS actually, uh, you know, sent me a direct message like, I've been working with Phil, Mm -hmm. but we don't know what to work on. So what does Phil actually do? Oh, see, that's the thing is I only got a performance review to make sure I would get a detailed list of what Phil has been doing wrong. And there was nothing on that. I didn't know I was supposed to check out what he did right. Oh, cool. So Phil's just crushing it. Good job, JP. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Sultan Abbasi is our designated man of dark. <laughs> and uh, what a job he has done there. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. Last week, I believe, was Gilded Goose, or perhaps that is future for, uh, for the Thanksgiving. But this week, who knows? Yeah, it's really been out of this world, Sultan Abbasi, so far. But next up, we got Eric Nall is the leader of the Trastronauts. You know, really just been started as a lonely dumpster. Whoa, 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 whoa. No more yes. as the leader of the Trestonauts. We forgot to switch this up. Mm. Corey, Corey, you are what? fucking up. You were fucking up Eric Null's trajectory. Oh, oh my God. I'm so sorry. I've, you know, Eric Null gets a promotion every single week. I was, you know, just so confused. So Eric Null is actually the captain to the USS spaceship. So yeah, yeah I, com- I actually moving forward. So, so Sorry about that. Because of the election, it's 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 difficult to see what's in the papers. But uh, something that I did see is uh, from this this uh, this journey, uh, they actually landed on Polas, mm. and they were setting up a new civilization. But oddly enough, a few of the people on the ship were rebels, and they ended up taking it over and killing everyone. Oh, cool! Interesting. Interesting. That's just normal <laughs> everyday spaceship stuff. Space shit stuff. Space shit stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If your ship yeah, hasn't been taken over by rebels and a most of the crew dead to a mutiny, leaving you with just a bare bones remaining crew who has to struggle for survival, you are not doing space travel correctly. No, 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 no. Yeah, then it's too easy. Yeah. Then it's just traveling. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up on our list is Garmeldi, who is our merch store manager. 
Uh, we've got some new things on our merch store, actually. So I'm going to turn this from cast and crew into self-promotion. We got sweatshirts now. So if you go... Do we? Uh, Hell yeah. We do. So if you go to... Uh, let me just make sure I have this. <laughs> Brad, Where send me it? one. There it is. It's <laughs> mtgproshop.com slash bash-bros-merch. Uh, you're going to be able to see that we have some sweet sweatshirts available if you want to take on the Bash Bros. And also that brings brings up uh, something that we have to do, actually, Corey. It's been since our new Switch. This is three months, so we are going to be oh. sending people some special shirts, including two people that are going to get two shirts, and one is going to be very special. So I'm going to be sending to all of you that qualify to get information from you through Patreon so that we can uh, send you nice. some sweet stuff. Nice. Yeah, there's some awesome shirts, too, I must say. There's something to be... Uh... There's something to be oogled at for sure. Oh, it's gas. I think. Yeah. I think the design. I think uh, the two people are at the highest tier. That's going to be getting both designs. Yeah. And the one that they're getting exclusively for themselves is a delight. Now those will be available. The other for one's other shit. People. It's my no, bare <laughs> asshole on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to spoil it, but that's what it Brian, is. Brian, come it's on. It's my spread eagle bare ass <laughs> on a shirt. Wow. <laughs> Wow, it sounds like you're having an office party over there. I am, thanks to Patrick. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little sloshed right now. Patrick <laughs> is our office party coordinator, and he has coordinated numerous beverages into my grasp. All of them Diet Pepsi, but still great. <laughs> Love it. Next up, we got Heptagon 24, or Philopas Galanis, our homie of the cast. That is not only a homie of this cast, let me tell you, a homie of all the casts we do, and especially the Aspros podcast. Straight liaison of that really just focuses laser thin on uh, all the things we do on the back end of the Aspros podcast. What the fuck podcast. are you saying right now? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've, I've had a couple office parties thin. with Patrick. Yeah, I, I threw in some words in there. I need I need Max to help me out with that last one. Dude, so. you're really you're <laughs> you're really plugging the ass, bros podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh man, that is so good. <laughs> that, was so fun. that was fun. All right, Lorard is up next. Thank you so much, Lorard, and everyone else for. For being part of the cast and crew, and especially Laura, though, because they are our chief executive officer. Uh, I, I don't know why we would say, hey, person on the Internet that likes our shit, you know, you know, you can become a Patreon of ours and then we would just give them full control of everything. I don't understand why we did that, but we did. And that's our chief executive officer. So uh, you, you, hopefully, uh, I mean, you may be isn't that how isn't that how Justin Timberlake took over the job that Mark Zuckerberg uh, offered him at Facebook? I'm pretty sure I saw a movie with that same plot. <laughs> I like how, <laughs> I like how you used one of the characters. Thank you. Names thank you. And <laughs> one of the actors names. <laughs> thank you, Bradley. I'm glad you noticed that subtlety. You don't know, you don't know why we made him CEO, but do you know why we wouldn't make him CEO. No. Exactly. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Last up, we got Victor, our executive producer. Uh, a role that I, you know, I, was, I don't know. I don't know about this role. It has nothing to do with hmm. me. It has only to do with the bros. So. No, that's not hmm. true, Brian. You're a deucer. 
I'm a deucer. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> hey, we were we were bald bros at one point, Brian. We were bald bros. I'm what so. you might call a pro deucer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right, that's gonna do it for for our cast and crew. If you would like to uh, support oh, us God. and also. Get a cool job and a shout out every week. You can join the cast and crew at patreon.com slash Bros podcast. Also, we got some cool merch available there as well. Um, it's not BBD's anus, we promise. It's not. It's not. No one. No one. No, we give that away for free. Um, yes, that's in the Discord. <laughs> anyway, uh, everyone stay happy and healthy. It's been a long week and a rough one. I even thought I was going to cancel the show. Um, because of yesterday, but you know, uh, <laughs> react the way you need to react and do the things you need to do, uh, to stay mentally capable in these trying times. Um, I mean, I get it too. I wanted to cancel after my nephew beat me out to the waiver claim for the Patriots defense in our fantasy family, <laughs> no stakes, fantasy football league. I was also feeling the effects of that. So <laughs> makes sense. Yes. Oh, that is so good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Goodbye, everyone. All right. See you all next week. And don't forget to play in the uh, our our Bash Bros tournament on November 15th. See you later. Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye.